Thank you for joining us for this message. Whether you're watching for the first time or simply catching up on a message you've missed, we are so glad that you're connecting with God's Word today. Our hope is that as you listen to the message, you will experience a real encounter with God. Please consider giving financially to support God's work through our ministry. You will find several options to do that by clicking on the word give in the menu on our website at kentwoodcommunitychurch.com. We're going to read scripture together. I'm going to ask you out of respect for God's word to stand, if you will. We're in Luke chapter 1. We're going to read verses 26 to 38. Luke 1, verses 26 to 38. I'll read the first verse and you'll follow with Eddie in the verses that follow. Hear the word of the Lord, Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee. Verse 27. To a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Verse 29. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. Verse 31. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David. Verse 33. And he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the, the angel, but how can this happen? I am a virgin. Verse 35. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. Verse 37. For the word of God will never fail. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. Let's pray. And I'm asking today, Lord, that the words of my mouth, meditations of our heart, will be pleasing in your sight. And as the prophet Samuel prayed long ago, we pray now. Speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Thank you, Eddie. Appreciate it. You can have a seat. Now, I got to confess something that last week you guys got to do a better job as a family. We had uh, actually decorated uh, the week before, or a few days before last Sunday, and there was glitter everywhere. And I found out that I preached the entire sermon with glitter right on my nose. Many of you did not hear a word that I said the entire sermon because you were fixated on this. And then some of you had the audacity as I greeted you out there the entire morning. Not one person said, hey, pastor, you got glitter on your nose. Jeff was the only one as I'm headed down towards my office. By the way, pastor, you got glitter on your nose. And I thought, oh, my word. So for the future, if I have glitter in my nose or anything else, somebody come up here and make that right. Can I get an amen? I don't want any distractions. So as I was coming up, I was checking the attire, everything, if you know what I'm saying. I didn't want any distractions today. <laughs> I'm good today, all right? So I'm glad that you are with us today. We are in a series of Advent. We've declared that this series, Jesus, the reason we celebrate Christmas you're newer to the faith, Advent is this season in December that we look at the coming of the promised one. And as he comes, there's a variety of things that we must be aware of that he brings. The first, as we looked at last week, was this gift of hope that we lit the candle. Today, we're going to look at the gift that he brings of peace. Jesus truly is the peace we need. Now, 
Everyone, regardless, I would say to you, everyone in the world, regardless of what they believe, would you, I, I think you would agree with this, regardless of what they believe, everybody's about peace, are they not? They, they wanna find peace inside of them. They want peace around them. The, and as they do that, we, we realize that we live in a bizarro world right now. It's an upside down world. Everything is kind of going crazy and sideways. And in all of that, we have people in the midst of incredible conflict, conflict internally. We have mental health issues on a rise that I've never seen in my, t- my lifetime. It is a crazy season. We have conflicts externally in relationships that are even inside of our families as I speak. We have storms and turbulation everywhere. And yet everybody's trying to figure out in the midst of all of this, how do I find peace? That's the million dollar question. And without Jesus, we look in all different ways how we might find it. If I could just find the perfect relationship, if I'm married, if my spouse could just have this characteristics and then I would be good. If I could have just the perfect job, or if I just made this amount of money, or if I could just purchase these things, then I would finally have peace. Well, we already know that there's nothing wrong with all of that, but if that's where you put your lot, you will be disappointed every single time. It will never deliver the peace that you and I are looking for. As a result, I read this story. If you've been raised in the church, you know the story of Gabriel. You know that he visited Mary in this moment. It was a critical point in the history of the world. In this moment, the presence of God was gonna be made known like never before. And with that event, there was going to be this incredible happening of peace in the world. Now, as we look at this, we understand it's going to happen through Mary. It's gonna be a miracle. She's a virgin. He's gonna reign over the nations. And then peace will rest on the world. I can already hear you in your mind saying, but wait a minute, pastor. 2,000 years ago, there's supposed to be peace as a result of this event. And here we are praying for Oxford High School and the Oxford community and many, many more like that that will happen after this. Aren't you just, uh, what are you really preaching? I don't see peace around. On the contrary, I see things that are actually going sideways more and more. I'm glad that you're asking these questions because the Bible addresses those and I want us to understand that peace is available for all of us. I'm reminded of the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah 26, the prophet says this, and I will grant you perfect peace if you trust in me. Do you see that there's something that's required in order to have peace? You can't go out to the store and buy some peace. It doesn't happen. It has a relationship with Christ. Even Jesus said, I believe in John chapter 14, he says, I'm going to leave you peace, peace of mind, peace, a gift that the world can never give you. The world will never be able to give this to you. It will only come from me. And then in chapter 16 of John, he said, I've told you all of this, that you may have peace of mind because the world will be full of trouble. So Jesus already said, by the way, You're gonna have trouble all over the place, but I've come that you could have peace. Now, it's one thing to say you have peace. It's another thing to practice peace, if you know what I'm saying. The Bible clearly tells us in Philippians chapter four, six and seven, the author says this, do not be anxious about anything. It's an imperative, it's a mandate. Stop stressing, easier said than done. Stop worrying. 
Stop being anxious. But instead of doing that, you need to pray and make petitions before God. And then the peace that goes beyond understanding will what? Guard your hearts. A peace that goes beyond understanding. In other words, what he's saying is, here, peace is for everybody who has faith. And when you have that moment, just like me, when you are tempted to worry and to fret and to stress, it's in that moment that I say, here you are, Lord, it's yours. I can't handle it. I'm giving it to you. And every single time we do that, Philippians 4 says, then he will then in return grant us peace. And peace in such a way that you and I would look at it and say, I could never have peace in this moment. It is impossible to have peace in this moment. But scripture says what? You're going to have peace that is unexplainable. That's an incredible gift for everybody who believes in Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen? I am convinced as believers today, let me illustrate it this way. It's like someone walking out and getting caught in the middle of a rainstorm. And in the middle of the rainstorm, they have an umbrella and they have a raincoat. And as they're walking through the storm, they're getting wet and they never put the umbrella up and they never put the raincoat on. And as they walk through the storm, they end up completely soaked with the rain. There are so many people that can hear my voice today. You have peace right there as a child of Jesus, and yet you never apply it and you walk around with stress, worry, and all the rest. And he's saying to us today on this Advent, enough is enough. I want you to truly experience what it means to have peace in the midst of the craziness of this world. Can I get an amen? So how do we obtain it? How do we obtain it? There are many ways, but I have three simple thoughts today that I think will really be helpful for us as we obtain this gift of peace in the midst of the situations we find ourselves. Number one, it's the gift of forgiveness from Jesus. It's the gift of forgiveness from Jesus. Can somebody say forgiveness? Forgiveness. Say it again, forgiveness. Forgiveness. I can already hear you saying, Pastor, wait a minute. Here you are again. You're coming at us again with forgiveness. I mean, it's like every other week, you're speaking about forgiveness over and over and over again. The reason for that, it's the one element in our lives that we struggle with the most. And it can never gives up coming after us, the ability not to forgive, the ability not to forgive myself or the ability not to forgive you and the ability not to forgive God. It's not a one and done. It's a decision I have to make in some instances every day And I don't know about you, in my own life, sometimes multiple times in one day. This makes sense to anybody. The Bible is full of people who were forgiven. The Bible is full of people who had peace. But those people that you may not really think about, these Bible characters, they were full of need to be forgiven. What do you mean, pastor? Well, Abraham, he he struggled with fear or And Sarah, she couldn't shake doubt in her life. Jacob, he was a liar. Judah, he slept with his daughter-in-law. Moses, he had anger problems. Aaron worshiped idols. Samson was a womanizer. Jonah was racist. And Peter dealt with pride. And yet God forgave every single one of them and gave them peace and we hear of their story today. I don't know about you, but that's some really good news for me today. What about you? I'm reminded of Luke chapter seven. 
Last week I talked about in John chapter four, the woman at the well. But Luke seven, we learned from a lady who came encounter with Jesus. And when she came encounter with Jesus, nothing else mattered. She was a prostitute. Just like the woman at the well in John four, she was trying to find fulfillment in everything else. But yet she realized it wasn't going to give her the peace that she really wanted in life. And then it happened. Do you remember when it happened to you, if it's ever happened? She encountered Jesus straight up and she was laid bare in that moment. And in that moment when she engaged Jesus, she was so humbled and so desperate, she wept before him, wept in such a way as scripture declares that she literally made his feet wet. And then as scripture says, she took her hair and she wiped his feet. She didn't care that anybody saw or anybody cared or anybody, what they thought about her. She was basically focused on Jesus and Jesus alone. It changed everything for her. I wonder how long has it been for me? How long has it been for you that you've actually wept over your sin? Because it's that that changed her life in a powerful way. She wasn't just speaking about forgiveness in a sermon. She was experiencing forgiveness in an amazing way. And we read and we learn from her to this very day. She had no other options. She couldn't get it right herself. She was humbled before Jesus and she saw herself for who she really is. No more playing the games. No more trying to just get through it. Truly saw myself for who I am. That's when true forgiveness, peace and healing comes when we have the courage to allow God to do what he wants to do inside of us. And do you know who's most dangerous at this of not doing this? Those of us raised in the church, we can go through the motions and somehow by doing the motions, we think we're good to go. But what we know is that's simply not the case. We need to get down and dirty before him, letting him clean us completely. And then he started explaining in Luke 7 to the disciples about this whole thing as, he, as they saw this unfold and he gave them this illustration. He said, obviously there's, as an example, somebody who had a debt of $500 and somebody who had a debt of $50 and, I've, and both of those debts were forgiven. Which one would be more gra- uh, grateful? Obviously the one with the greater debt. In other words, once we realize we can't get forgiveness ourselves, once we can't fix ourselves, that's the moment that he comes in and does exactly what he needs to do in our lives. Now here's the test. It isn't just peace, but here's the test according to Jesus, how you know whether you've really received this forgiveness in your life. The way you are, he says in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter six, the way you know you've really authentically received this forgiveness from God through Jesus is number one, you'll be able to forgive yourself. And number two, you'll be able to forgive other people. May I be so bold to say this, if you do not have the ability to forgive yourself, And if you do not have the ability to forgive people around you, you probably have not truly experienced the forgiveness from the Father. That's the reality. And now we're just dancing around it and truly not being. And here's the amazing story. Forgiveness is for everyone. Isn't that good? It's for everyone. Where'd you get that, Pastor? Romans 10, 13. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will what? be what? Somebody say saved. Saved. You are saved from yourself. You're saved from your sin. 
today's world to say sin is a cuss word. But I'm here to tell you in the Bible and in the biblical world, all of us are in the same boat and we need forgiveness. And the Bible says it's for all of you. And until you and I admit that we have a need, we're just playing a game with God. If we don't have a need, then why do we have Jesus? We don't need Jesus if we're all good to do it by ourselves. You and I need to know that the Bible tells us that if we confess our sins, he is what? Faithful and just to forgive us of all sin and to purify us from all unrighteousness. We are then a new creation. And the great thing about this forgiveness, as I have already said, is not a one and done. It's continual. Good news for you all, you ready? The work of the cross is powerful. Anybody agree with me? The work of Jesus on the cross is so powerful. We celebrate his birth at Christmas. We celebrate the work of the cross throughout the year and his death and resurrection at Easter. But the work of the cross is so powerful. I like this, this is so amazing. It forgives my past sin. It forgives my present sin. And praise the Lord, hallelujah, it forgives my future sin. Is that good news? I don't have to walk around condemned any longer. Now, when we do sin, when we do sin, folks, listen to me. What we're really saying when we choose to do something we know is wrong, we choose that because we truly, at the end of the day, don't trust God. We don't trust that what he's actually offering us in the life that he's calling us to will actually fulfill us. So therefore, we're gonna go out and try to figure it out ourselves. I can give lip service that the call of Jesus somehow will make me fulfilled. But if I can just dabble in this and this and this, therefore there I will be fulfilled. But what we know about sin, if anybody's been there, I I have, anybody else? When you've been there, it will never, never deliver what it promised. It will always cost you more than what it says it is. And it will always trap you at the end of the day. You and I need to understand that truly understand the key point of this forgiveness is that God is peace and that peace is ours if we're willing to receive it his gift that continues to give over and over again it's called forgiveness with forgiveness comes peace can I get an amen Amen. he gives us this gift called forgiveness and then equates to peace there's a second gift he gives us and that is this the gift that Jesus is with us not only forgiveness but that he is with us Somebody say hallelujah. Hallelujah. One more time, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, why do I say that? Let's take a time out. We so quickly pass over this. We say Emmanuel, God with us. But think about it for a second. This truth that God is actually with you. It's a game changer. He is with you right now. Whether you feel it or not. Whether you believe it or not, he is with you. And you can't get away from his presence ever. And when we begin to become still and acknowledge it and slow down, it may penetrate our hearts that he is with me. Whether I feel it or whether I believe it, he is there. That's a fact that cannot be changed by the winds or the waves or the seas or my emotions. It is a fact that cannot and will not ever be changed, ever, ever. Psalm 139, paraphrasing. If I go up to the heights, there you are. 
If I go down to the depths, there you are. If I'm doing really, really good, feeling close to God and doing all that I think I should, there you are. And if I'm really messing up and in my darkest moment, there you are. It's not dependent on what you do. God is faithful even when you are faithless. He's always faithful. And he's there with us every second of every moment. He outshines the darkness. He outshines the grief. He gives us hope when we need it. His plan is perfect and he has ordained my days according to Psalm 139. That's a sense of security today and gives me peace. And I can't be separated from him according to Romans 8, can I? Nothing can separate me from him. That is good news. Benjamin Franklin, one of our founders, was a deist. And he basically, that basically means this. And many Christians actually live this way. Deism teaches that God created all of this and then he left and he's off doing something else. And now we're like fending for ourselves. He believed that. Many Christians live that way. And the beauty of knowing that Jesus is with us is the ability to kill and destroy one of the most difficult emotions of the holidays is loneliness. One of the most Lonely countries in the world is the United States of America. And we have more than anybody else on this planet. And what we found is that more is not necessarily equate to peace and feeling loved. Can I get an amen? Never, never was intended to do that. And the beauty of the fact that he is with us enables us to practice 2 Timothy 1.7, which says, you do not have a spirit of fear but you have a spirit of courage. Anybody need that today in today's world? We fear today all that is around us. We fear this thing called Corona. We fear this thing called dysfunctional government. We, feel, we fear this thing called economics. We fear international politics. Is Russia going into the Ukraine? Are we gonna be lured in? Is China going into Taiwan? And we're gonna be lured in. And the church is in decline. Are we gonna no longer have preachers that will preach the gospel? We have all of these things. And what he's saying is, I'm here in the middle of all of this. You need not fear. A matter of fact, you can't have courage without obstacles. You can't have peace without chaos. Is that too deep for anybody? You gotta have all of those. And here's what you must understand. There's a difference between worry and stress and burden. The things I just said, we should be burdened about. We should be moving towards to help and serve and be the hands and feet of Jesus. But we are never called to fret and worry and stress over them for he is with us to the very end. He clearly tells us, John says, perfect love drives out what? Fear, perfect love drives out fear. And the beauty of that is Ephesians 1, 7 says, how do we know that he's with us? He has given us the Holy Spirit. There he goes again about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit lives inside of us and he's intimate with us and he gives us courage and wisdom and power and the ability to have intimacy and to transform us. He is saying, I want to transform you. I'm gonna finish this work in you. 
The beauty of the Old Testament is that only once a year in the Holy of Holies, one priest, one person gets to go in and give the sacrifice on behalf of the nation. And he went in with a bell because if he wasn't right, he would drop dead in the presence of God. Then it was next man up. I didn't want to be the one that would be chosen. What about you? But now we have Jesus who said, you don't have to worry about that. You have now access to the Holy of Holies. You have the ability to have complete intimacy with me, not just once a year, but 24 seven every single day. Can I get an amen? amen? He holds our hands. That intimacy of him is that scripture says he is Abba Daddy. Some of us have never experienced because of our brokenness in our lives, what it means to have a true godly father. And we're gonna address that in January. What does it mean to have a father and a daddy in our lives? I believe there's a lot of dysfunction because of that. We must be able to engage that, that the father in heaven, he grabs our hands, Abba, and he holds our hands through each and every situation. Right now, whatever it is you're going through, he is holding your hand and he is there for you. I've said this before, but I remember uh, my daughter's being married this next week. This is wedding week. God have mercy. <laughs> but when she was yay high, yay high, and now she's an adult, but when she was yay high and a storm would happen, we lived overseas when she was little. So she, we didn't have storms in the Middle East like you have here in the Midwest. So when we'd come home on break, the thunder and the lightning would scare her. And we would stay in these uh, temporary houses as missionaries. And we were in this temporary house actually in West Michigan in Holland area. And a storm had come upon us. The next thing, they didn't have any carpets. My wife and I were upstairs. We put the kids downstairs and we heard this, the little feet. And like Superman, she dives into the bed. Boom. And my, I'm on that side and she's on top of me. And her little body's trembling like crazy. And all I did was grab her little hand. And I held her. And I put her inside of me, uh, next to me. And at that moment, her little body went limp. The storm was still going. It was still lightning and still thundering, but she was totally okay. Why? She was with her daddy. And dad, with, when you're that age, daddy's got it taken care of. That's all that was for her world. He is there to us. And this very Saturday in this very room, in this manner will be the last time that I will hold her hand like that. And we will walk down the aisle and I will give her over to someone else as scripture declares and they will become one. And sure, I'll still be her daddy. Sure, I'll still be there. But we know it will change and it's supposed to change. And that's the reality of how things happen. But what I realize as a daddy that I will do anything and everything for my children. And the Bible even tells us that if we know how to do good for our kids and we're evil, how much more our Father in heaven will do good gifts and will be there for us. Does this make sense to anybody today? He is way better at it than us. He is way better at it than us. I will breathe my last breath and I won't be able to be there for her. He will always be there for her and will never fail her and he'll never fail you. We have peace with that reality today. The key point is we need to understand we can have peace regardless of our situation because if God is for us, who can be against us? Oh, I wish that you really believe that. Can you repeat after me? Say, if God is for us, God is for us. 
One more time. If God is for us, who can be against us? One more time. If God is for us, who can be against us? Now let's personalize it. If God is for me, who can be against me? Nobody, nobody, nobody. Can I get an amen? And like a, a, a good shepherd, I wish that I wish that I wish that I could somehow take that and make it from your intellect into your heart. And that when you walk out of this place, that you are dearly loved. You're not only forgiven as you ask for it, you are having the ability to know that his presence is with you in the darkest moments. Can I get an amen? amen. Well, there's one more good present. Are you, are you good about presents and gifts? The third is simply this. Not only does he forgive, not only is he present, but the third thing that the angel Gabriel is telling to Mary that will change the world is this, the gift that Jesus is our helper. He's not only with us, he's our helper. Somebody say help. Say it again, help. help. Now we see that he tells us in Matthew chapter 11, you who are weary, anybody weary today? You who are weary, come to me and I will give you rest for my burden is light. I will give you rest. He's saying to us, he's going to give us something and behold this, Revelation three, I stand at the door of your heart and I'm knocking today. And I'm going to knock tomorrow, and I'm going to knock the next day, and I'm going to knock the next day, and I will continue to pursue you. Even if you don't open the door, I'm still coming after you. And I will continue to come after you until you open up the door, because I want to help you. The problem for many of us is this. It's really pride that gets in the way. We th and, and not only pride, but a, a messed up concept of who God is. We think God is in a quota. I'm only gonna ask God when I really, really need him. <laughs> your concept of God is flawed. God can handle all your big stuff, all your small stuff, and he can handle everybody in this room, all of our stuff at the same time. That causes someone like me to bow my knee and say, he is the Lord. You with me? He truly wants to help you and I in the moment that we need it the most. Jesus even taught us how to pray, did he not? Give us this day our what? Our daily bread. Help me with my provisions. Come involved with the practical side of my life. Don't put God in a corner. Don't put God in a silo. Allow him to be engaged with all activities of your life. Humility is the pathway to make this so. Humility is the pathway. And it isn't just he just wants to help you with your struggles. He wants to help you in Matthew 10. He wants to send us out to be his hands and feet. He wants to give us all of that. We must choose what we're going to do. And yet the opposite of peace is worry and stress, is it not? And so it is therefore a lack of trust of who God is because God's not doing it the way you want God to do it. Therefore, we don't trust him. Therefore, we don't invite him in to do the things he needs to do in our lives. I've been guilty of that, anybody else? I'm really guilty of saying, God, your timetable's a little slow. I'm taking over. How'd that work for you, Mick? Not so well. Anybody been there? Anybody been ahead of God? Disaster. We call that manipulation. Anybody besides myself have a propensity towards manipulation? It goes into our relationships. It goes everywhere when we don't let him be the one that helps us. But Jesus says it clearly about this. 
worry. Don't worry about your life, right? What you will eat or drink or about your body, what you wear. Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns. Yet your heavenly father feeds them. And who of you by worrying can add a single hour to your life? And see how the lilies of the field are clothed? Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor is dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So don't worry, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things. And your heavenly father, by the way, already knows that you need them. But first seek the kingdom and his righteousness and all of these things will be added unto you as well. Don't seek those things first and then say, hey God, why don't you join me? No, on contrary, we join God and follow him and then he does what he wants to do. Don't worry about today. Don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow has enough worries of its own. Can I get an amen? I can't get any more clear than Jesus who preaches better than anybody. But let me just say this about the help of Jesus. I met with two friends this week and each of them have incredible challenges. Both of them, addiction, one going through uh, a divorce. And I said, and I listened and I cared for them and I loved on them, but I said to each of these men, I said, when are you going to be desperate enough that you truly are tired living in your misery to actually get up and let him take over and do what he needs to do in your life. There's no counseling, there's no medication, there's no prayer, there's nothing that can help until you're willing to be helped, until you are desperate enough to say, Lord Jesus, I'm tired of struggling, now it's time for you to do what you need to do, I can't, you can, now take over. It's in that moment that he will come in and do what he needs to do, and it's in that moment the peace that goes beyond understanding will be granted to every single one of us. Every single one of us. God is not a God of favoritism. He loves us all the very same. Does anybody believe that? God is not a God who works differently in one season compared to the other season. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever, and it's for every single one of us today. And on a personal note about this, I get up every single morning. I have my issues just like you. I'm tempted to worry and stress and fret just like you. But regardless of the challenges that are in front of me, I get up early and I spend time with my, my father. And as I spend time with my father, something happens to me spiritually. And all of a sudden, I'm, sp I'm filled up with him in such a way that I actually 99% of the time, regardless of what's in front of me, I have the ability to have peace, to walk through that moment. I have personally and I continually personally experienced this peace that I'm preaching about today. It's not theoretical, it's not just a word, it's for every single believer. I personally experience it every single day, not because I'm more special, not because I love God more, but simply because I put on the raincoat and I put up the umbrella and I say, I want it for me today. I can't, but you can. And I'm asking you today to move that direction. Let me conclude by saying this. Not only does he forgive us, not only is he there, not only does he help us, that brings peace. But let me give you the ultimate of all peace. 
And in the middle of all of that, and this is really good, is that we have the ultimate hope of all hope that grants us peace. That one day very soon, all that we go through, all that we struggle will pass away. Are you in the middle of it right now? It will end. Are you in the middle of a thing called cancer? It will end. Are you in the middle of a financial struggle? It will end. Are you in the middle of oppression? It will end. Are you in the middle of loneliness? It will end. Are you in the middle of mental health issues? It will end. And how do I know that? Scripture declares that one day very soon, very soon, my friends, there will be a new heaven and there will be a new earth and the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords will return and he will swallow up death. He will swallow up pain. He will swallow up all that infirmities and he will enable us to truly be what we were created to be in that moment. It will all be worth it. And I'm saying to you today, let's be a people that has hope and peace because we know that he is able. Can somebody say amen to that today? That is the truth. It is the truth. And the truth will what? Set you free. The truth will set you free. How many here today want to be set free in the name of Jesus? How many here today are tired and desperate and say, enough is enough. I've had my fill. It's time for him to take over. It's time for him to do what only he can do. Are you ready to live the life you were intended to live? I say to you as your pastor, I say to you as your friend, Church of Jesus Christ, let's begin to put on the raincoat. Let's put up the umbrella. Let's experience the fullness of our God. Can I get an amen? Ah, that just wore me out to the end. But I tell you what, if there's one thing that gets me going, it's the thought of being forever with Jesus. Anybody with me? The thought of being with Jesus forever. To being with Jesus forever. In this moment, my friends, the reason why that is so important to me, and I pray this for you, it's simply this. Right now, I am in the middle of a world that's a square. But you know what? I'm a triangle and I don't fit. The Bible says, you know what the Bible says about that? I'm an alien. I'm a stranger. I'm just passing through to another land. But in the meantime, I will fight the fight. In the meantime, I will be the hands and feet of Jesus. In the meantime, I will love the unlovable. In the meantime, I will be Jesus to everybody. But oh, until that day, when that day happens and that day, and if you are still living, when I get to go to glory, you don't you shed one tear for me because I will be celebrating like nobody's business because that's what I was created for. It's what I was created for. And he initiated that on Christmas morning when he came and he invaded this planet and he said, I'm making everything right, amen? I'm gonna ask everybody to stand with me, if you will. Lord Jesus, as we move in this moment, I pray that you would grant us not just theory, but application of what it truly means to be your daughter and to be your son. Would you do the miraculous? Would you grant us exactly what we need? I'm praying for everybody. I, I know whatever I'm preaching right now may not be uh, applicable to every person here, but you're able to speak to them whatever it is they're going through right now. So I'm praying that you would grant them that moment that they need with you, God. Please, I cry out. I stand in the gap on behalf of them. 
It's not about KCC and it's not about me. It's always been and it will always be about you. And we desire for you to meet where everybody's at today. With every head bowed and eyes closed, would you by a raise of hand would say, the Lord has spoken to me. I'm not gonna have you come forward today unless you want, but just by raising your hand, say the Lord has spoken to me and I am now going to experience this thing called peace. Will you keep it up? I'm, I'm gonna live in this peace. I choose to live in this peace. Yes, all over the place. And with the hands held high, I'm gonna pray, and as I pray, if you need to kneel, you're welcome. I'm not giving a formal call, but if you need to kneel, you're welcome to come and kneel. Uh, as I pray, you can come and kneel right now. Lord Jesus, uh, I just ask that you would hear our cry and see these hands. You know every situation, you know every person. You know exactly what they're feeling. You do. Lord, we got excited for just a moment, but we should. There were people in the state going crazy last night when Michigan won. I got a, I got a victory way bigger than that. And it's, it's forever. I'm grateful that you're a God that is truly, truly faithful to the end. I'm asking that today you would hear the cries of your people. I can't handle all the pain that's around me, but you can. You know the hurt, you know the struggle. May they sense your forgiveness, your presence, and your help so they can have peace in the midst of these moments. I'm asking you to be faithful to it. And I pray this all in the mighty name of Jesus and all God's people said.